Hey, Consume listeners, Jamie Lewis here. I've been wanting to try new formats for the podcast, and this sixth season, I changed things up a bit. Every guest this season is a person of color in the wine and food industry, and roughly half of the interviews are conducted by Justin Tribu, a young black winemaker with a talent for honesty and conversation. This is a temporary format. I'll be back to hosting all the episodes myself next season, but it feels like a really important change this time around. As much as I could, I wanted to facilitate real discussion, and Justin's input and guidance helped a lot with that. I would have had her do all 10 episodes, but she was in the throes of harvest. So for what she was able to contribute, I'm very grateful. You may want to hear my interview with Justin first and listen on from there. Oh, and yeah, we're on Zoom again for these episodes. In any case, thank you so much for listening and happy sixth season of Consumed. Consumed is sponsored by my friends at Slow Life Magazine, for whom I write the food column. For the 2020 October-November issue, I'm writing about ribs in Slow County, and I included the Rib Line in Grover Beach, G Brothers in San Luis Obispo, and Miss Odette's Creole Kitchen in Paso Robles. It's been a sticky week around here, let me tell you, but I'm putting the finishing touches on the article now. If you live in San Luis Obispo or Avila Beach, check your mailbox for Slow Life Magazine every other month. And if you don't already get it, subscribe at slowlifemagazine.com. Consumed is also supported by James Onaveros at Ranchos de Onaveros Wine in the Santa Maria Valley. If you haven't already listened to my episode with James in season one, I'll tell you, he's a ninth generation agriculturalist with roots that go back to when California was governed by Spain. His ancestors had this massive land grant and it was sold off in pieces until there was nothing left. But he and his parents worked hard to buy back a parcel that overlooks the land that used to be their family's, and James planted his Pinot Noir vineyard there with his own two hands at the tender age of 23. I think one of the craziest things about James is that his last name, Onaveros, means the one true vine. The coolest part of his story, though, is that the wine is absolutely beautiful, with a very Burgundian style and influence. Taste that storyline for yourself by visiting the station in Los Alamos, where Ranchos de Onaveros wines are sold, along with elevated Santa Maria-style cuisine from Chef Conrad Gonzalez. For more information, visit ranchosdeonaveros.com or thestationlosalamos.com. Shantae Norwood is the owner and operator of Tasties, a cupcakery in Lompoc, California. She started her business as a hobby, a way to connect with her five kids over baking fun treats. But it was her husband who encouraged Shantae to make her hobby a profession. While cupcakes are the focus at Tasties, Shantae also makes filled donuts, chocolate-covered strawberries, and other specialties that have given her quite a sweet reputation in and around Lompoc. I discovered Shantae through my friend and consumed guest, Matt Katman, who wrote about her in an article about Black-owned businesses and how one racist email brought her and her business into the spotlight recently. We chat about this, as well as how she struggles to keep confidence in herself, how her husband has championed her, what it was like growing up in Santa Barbara, and how she'd like to see Lompoc change. Also, stay tuned for a fun bit of trivia about Shantae at the end of the episode. Here is my talk with Shantae Norwood. Shantae Norwood, um, it's so it's so lovely to meet you over Zoom. Um, Thank you. You're welcome. What is what has today been like for you already? 
Um, <laughs> I'm just kind of getting started. I totally yeah. forgot that I had. Um, I thought my day was clear today, but it's not. <laughs> so I have a I have a personal order for a friend's um, birthday. So um, I'm just kind of getting that together. School with the kids. Yeah. So it, it's just starting. <laughs> yeah. How many it's kids do you mellow, have? Though. I have, well, I have five kids. Okay. Wow. Um, but I have two who are still in high school. So, yeah. And they're pretty self-sufficient-ish? <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, okay. yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, where did you grow up? I am born and raised in Santa Barbara. <laughs> okay. Um, I went to elementary there. I went to junior high, high school. That mm -hmm. is home. Yes. And uh, you go to Santa Barbara High School? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Awesome. Yes. What was it like growing up in Santa Barbara? I mean, because I'm thinking that was probably, are you a child of the 80s? Yes. <laughs> like me? Yes. <laughs> so Santa Barbara's changed a lot since then. Oh, yes. It has changed a lot. Um, growing up there was actually really fun. Um a lot of things that you see today, I didn't see, you know, growing up. Um, everyone was just so friendly and just so loving. And uh, we, I, I didn't experience anything, you know, but greatness growing up mm -hmm. as a child in Santa Barbara. Um, I loved it, you know, it, it, I loved it a lot. Were you a so, beach person? I was. Yeah. Hard, <laughs> it's hard not to be there. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I was a beach person. Um, I spent most of my time at the Santa Barbara Boys and Girls Club. Mm. Um, that was like my second home. Mm. So that's literally where I learned a lot. Um, mm -hmm. And um, I grew from a lot of the things that I've learned from there. And um I believe that's why I am so the heart that I have mm -hmm. um, and I'm so genuine and it's because of the staff there that taught us how to respect one another, you know, um, look out for one another. It was like family, mm -hmm. you know, and so I took that with me growing up and just moving into life. I, I took everything that I've learned and knew from the staff, from the, the friends that I've met there. Um, I'm still very well connected with a lot of people, you know, mm -hmm. and that's really good. Cause you know, as you grow up in life, you kind of move on, yeah. but I still have, you know, a, a big part of Santa Barbara is, is going to always be in me. So, yeah. Did, did you choose to go and do uh, boys and girls club or did your parents or your mom or your dad decide that for you? No. Um, I chose to go. Mm -hmm. um, it was kind of like a hangout area for us, you know. Mm -hmm. um, I went to Santa Barbara Junior High, so the Boys and Girls Club was right there. And, you know, you talk about what are you going to do after school? Let's go to the Boys and Girls Club. And it was just kind of like something that, you know, I started doing after school. They had a lot of after school programs. Um, where they helped with homework and stuff like that. And so that's where we would go. And it was just something that I enjoyed doing and, and it just stuck with me. I went there all the way until high school, until I was, you know, so 
yeah, it was just something that I kind of did on my own. Did you, uh, did you grow up, did your mom, dad, grandma, aunt raise you? Yes. Uh-huh. Okay. My, and go ahead. Yes, I was raised by my mother mm-hmm. um, and my father. My father mm-hmm. um, moved to Los Angeles mm-hmm. when I was a little young, but um, I was mainly raised by my mom, my okay. grandparents, and like other, you know, my aunts and uncles. And, yeah. Yeah. And what did your mom do for a living? My mom used to work, gosh, where, I, I honestly don't remember the place, but she, I know she worked at Bacara. Oh, really? Um, okay. Yes. Uh-huh. Um, when Bacara first had opened, she was a supervisor there mm-hmm. and then she got hurt. And so mm-hmm. um, she stopped working Yeah. before then she went to college um, mm-hmm. and she had like little side jobs. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and you, what were you like growing up? I mean, I know you said Boys and Girls Club, but were you a good student? Um, what were you into? I will say that I have made a complete 360 in my life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, I was not always this person. Um, mm-hmm. I was um, rebellious. I was, um, I would say I was a good student. But I was easily distracted. Um, you know, as a teen back then, you kind of were free to do whatever you wanted to do. At least I was. And so I just kind of, I would say I kind of grew up a little too fast, hmm. uh, you know, and, and tried to hang out with, you know, the old friends or just try to do things that I shouldn't have been doing. Hmm. <laughs> um, I'm not going to sit here and say I'm an, I was an angel because I was not. <laughs> I, I was, like I said, I was very rebellious um, yeah. and I, and I was super immature and mm-hmm. I've done things, you know, in my past that I'm not happy about. Um, yeah. Who, who hasn't? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. you know, um, but I, overall, I would say that I was an okay kid. I was very mm-hmm. likable. Um, I was popular, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and I i mean, I've always had a kind heart regardless of if I was this mean person or, but, mm-hmm. you know, if you came to me, you needed me, I was there regardless. So the, the heart that I have today is something that I've always had. Yeah. I just really didn't know how to use it back then, if that makes sense. Yes. Yeah. And what changed? How did that change? Like, what was the what was the turning point? I had kids mm-hmm. of my own. And um, some of the things that I would do to other kids, I would never want to see done to my own. Mm-hmm. And so I just started, um, you know, I had to grow up. I had to grow up and I had to remind myself that I have little people that I'm responsible for, you know? And so that's what changed me as well as listening to people. I actually sat in, would listen to what, you know, my older cousins or, you know, even some of the staff at the Boys and Girls Club, you know, would tell me or try to talk to me. And sometimes you go in one ear and out the other. Yeah. But then once I started having kids, I I sat and I paid attention and... Mm. And, and I took from that. And, and so that's kind of what helped me change. Yeah. Uh, my husband, 
has a lot to do with the person that I am today. How so? He, um, I used to put myself down a lot. I used to say, I'm never going to be anything because that's something that was told to me, mm -hmm. you know, growing up um, because of who I was or I was just this bad kid, they would say, and I'm never going to amount to nothing. I'm going to be the one that just has a whole bunch of kids and just not go nowhere in life. Mm -hmm. And, um, and that kind of stuck with me, you know, yeah, and it, yeah. it did. Um, and I did think that for a very long time. And then I met my husband mm -hmm. <laughs> and he is, <sighs> he, he opened my eyes up to a lot. He, um, <laughs> I'm I as you're talking I'm feeling my love for my husband because I have a lot of the same feelings that you do yeah yeah he um he always made sure to tell me that you know I can be anything I want to be I mm -hmm. can do whatever I want to do um I am somebody you know he always gave me that push mm -hmm. he is the reason why I am in the position that I am in now with my baking. Mm. He is the one who pushed me to do this. When me and my kids would just do this for fun. And he used to tell me, you need to just do this. Why don't you do this? And I'm like, no, I don't want to, I don't want to do it as a business. I just, I like having fun. Mm -hmm. But he gave me that push. You can do it. You can do it, you know? And then when we have conversations now, you know, he's like, look at where you're at. Like, look, look what you're doing. You know, a lot of people know you. A lot of people love your stuff. And you used to say you couldn't do it, but look where you're at. Yeah. So he ha he plays a, a big role mm. in um, who I am today. He helped me mature. He helped me, you know, value myself. He, he it's almost like... <laughs> He makes this joke and says, um, I raised you. <laughs> and, uh, he has, though. Like, he, yeah. You know, when you, when you really sit back and think about where I was before he came along and where mm -hmm. I'm at now, he he did. He, he definitely helped me grow. How did you two meet? Um, we actually met through a mutual friend. Mm -hmm. Um, when I first moved to Lompoc, he was just the one I saw and I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> um, his best friend introduced us and, um, we went on a date and mm -hmm. 19 years later, we're still here. Hey, yeah. 19 years. So you guys, you met in, uh, oh, you can tell I'm great at math. Um, 2001. <laughs> 2000. Yes. My husband and I have been together 19 years also. Really? And, yeah. And um, I have a lot of the same feelings you do. I wasn't super kind to myself. Um, and it's the power of somebody who is kind. Right. It's an right. amazing power. I, I would not have the confidence I do to do a lot of things. Yeah. And I, and it's something sweet also when I, blow it, which I do a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, he is, he's like this soft landing pad for me. I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't lay, he doesn't roll over for me, but, um, 
but he is so much more generous with me than I am with myself. And that's a gift. And I mean, spouses can be that partners can be that for one another. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Because my confidence level is super low, even, mm -hmm. even still today. Um, you know, but he always tells me you can do it when I get overwhelmed in the kitchen or with orders. And I always say, I don't think I can do this anymore. Like after this, I'm just going to be done. He's like, no, you're not. You're going to get through it. And he gives me that push, you know, and every time I get ready to want to quit or just say I'm done, I hear his voice. And that's what kind of keeps me going. For so. sure. And my I'm kids as well. <laughs> well, yeah, because they've I'm sure they are encouraging because they've seen you do it for so oh, yeah. long. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So do you, um, what, what did make you move to Lompoc? I came to Lompoc to visit. Um, my little sisters were living in Lompoc with their mother and I came to visit them. Um, I also had a friend who lived here and she was kind of going through some stuff at that time. And, um, she didn't want me to leave. So I stayed to try to help her. And, um, and I've just never left and I've been here since. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And it's a different place than Santa Barbara. Uh, oh yeah. How oh, would yeah. you, how would you describe it as different? Um, you know, it's very different here. Um, it's a lot smaller. There's n really nothing for kids to do here. Hmm. Um, besides, yeah, <laughs> my daughter's my daughter's sitting here. She said, "Go to Walmart." Yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> Walmart. Um, the Boys and Girls Club. They do have little parts here and there, but a lot of the, when I first came to Lompoc, I think the only thing that they had here was a um, bowling alley, yeah. and um, that's no longer here. But there's really nothing for the kids to do here. I will say that. In Santa Barbara, as a child growing up, we had a lot of different places that we could go to, a lot of different outreach groups. We had um, the Boys and Girls Club that you can go to. We had um, the Casa de la Rasa. Mm -hmm. You know, um, there was different, there were so many different activities, so many different events that put on for the youth. We had the Big Brother, Big Sister program. Yeah. We had, we had a lot of that. And Lompoc doesn't have any of that. I think hmm. they have tried to do it. And if they do have it, I'm just unaware of it. Yeah. But I've been here for a while and um, they really don't. Um, the race issue is another thing that is, it blows my mind because in Santa Barbara, growing up in Santa Barbara, we didn't face any of that. Everyone loved everyone. Everyone hung out together. You see a group, it was a blended group, you know, um, and here in Lompoc, it's not like that, you know? Um, and so it's kind of different. There's really no jobs here for the youth. There's, you know, I, the community has tried to get things, you know, put here. And, and the community has, you know, their voice here just goes un unheard mm -hmm. when it comes to the youth. And that's one thing that I can say that I dislike about Lompoc. Um, 
I, I do like it here because, yeah. um, I mean, I haven't had problems with my kids personally growing up here. I feel like if I was to take them outside of Lompoc now into wherever I was to move, they would be so like shell shocked just because they're so, you know, confined to what they know here. But, and Lompoc um, is, sorry to interrupt, but Lompoc is like an island. Yes. It's so out there. I mean, I, my husband and I drove there. Uh, not too long ago, and we're always surprised how long it takes to get there. Even though it's very much part of the Central Coast, it's really out on its own. It is. It is. It's like its own, like you said, like its own little island. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. But, you know, Lompoc is more of like a retirement town. And so I get why there isn't much for the youth to, you know, but we do have children here, and I just feel like if they kind of open up, you know, more and kind of focused on the children more, it it would be a wonderful place. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and that's really the only difference from Santa Barbara and Lompoc is just there's, they have nothing for the which, children here. Which is really interesting because it's becoming quite the wine destination. Yes. You know, and so it's like... It, if there are adults there who wind up having kids, well, I don't know, maybe a lot of the winemakers come in from somewhere else, you know? Yeah. I don't know. That's interesting. Yeah. It's, there's a lot of wine dispensaries. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of what's taken over Lompoc right now. So yeah. they've tried putting things here for the kids. They try to put in, um, I think it was like a bike park or something or, um, and that got denied, you know, and, mm-hmm. um, I think it would have been nice. They have a skate park for the kids here. Yeah. <clears throat> um, they have an aquarium, but that's rarely open. Um, mm-hmm. you know, so they have like little things here, but not nothing. They, they don't really focus too much on, they don't have any mentorship programs. And that's something that this town needs. Yeah. They definitely need something like that for this, for the youth. And I think if they had, a few programs like that, mm-hmm. you know, I think everyone would see a change in on Pope. Honestly. Yeah. 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 I believe yeah. it. Hey there, a quick interlude to talk about another one of my supporters. Slow Food Co-op's mission is to empower health and well-being in the community by providing quality products and exceptional customer service. Community-owned, Slow Food Co-op buys from local producers, ensuring that they offer their customers real and sustainable food. Slow Food Co-op is your friendly neighborhood grocer, maintaining non-GMO standards and environmentally sustainable packaging. You can find Slow's only community-owned grocery store on their website at slowfood.coop and visit the Slow Food Co-op in-store at 2494 Victoria Avenue in San Luis Obispo, California. I see Malcolm X behind you. <laughs> so and my, I want my daughter. I I'm, I'm in my daughter's room, so she's <laughs> Yes. Well he's right over your shoulder and I wanted to yes. ask you about the recent stuff that's been going on. Um and I will say I saw a uh you were quoted in I think it was in the newspaper for uh somebody, a reporter grabbed you at one of the protests and talked to you. Um, and I saw the photo from that and I didn't see any white faces in that group. Am I wrong about that? 
Yes. Um, at the protest, there were more... Um, there were some... I'll say this. There were not a lot of African-Americans at the pro at the protest. Oh, okay. We, yes. <clears throat> we had, um, it was blended, but okay. it was, it was more Hispanic and, and, um, whites that were there. Um, mm. it was, it was a very beautiful turnout. Very beautiful that you can see everyone come together and it was peaceful. Um, my daughter was there with all of her friends and, and it was very, very beautiful. It was, mm -hmm. it was a beautiful turnout. Um, surprisingly, you know, I'm going to be honest. I honestly did not think that we were going to have that type of crowd. Mm -hmm. Um, I do know that there are a lot of people that, you know, stand with us and, and believe like what's going on is wrong, but you do have those who discriminate, you know, so, um, and especially here in Lombok. So I was shocked to see that outcome and it was beautiful it was, awesome. it was a beautiful thing yeah it was a beautiful thing and a lot of them got up to speak you know um some even walked by you know they just stopped and will hug you and i'm sorry you know and mm -hmm. and it was just really it was good to know that we have not everyone is against us and we have that support you know yeah so yeah it, it was Nice. Tell me, tell me a little bit about what happened recently. You were in the news, um, and I asked you ahead of time if I could ask yeah. you about this, and uh -huh. you said yes. So just tell tell anybody who's listening kind of what happened there. So I received an email from a potential customer. Um, she had previously placed her order through my website, wanting to book for her daughter's graduation slash birthday party. Mm -hmm. um, a few weeks later, I <clears throat> get another email from her stating that she recently found out that I was African-American. And because of everything that's going on in the world right now, she would think it was best that she just cancel her order with me because our views are probably not the same. How would she know that that was the mm. case? Like what, you don't know? It's not like you made a statement I, or anything? I do not, I, I I have not made a statement. I don't go on any of my social medias or I don't voice my opinions like I probably should and want to. Mm -hmm. But I also have to remember, you know, I, I do have a business and um, there could be backlash and, and I don't want to, and, I, and I, don't get me wrong, I don't keep quiet. Yeah. I do speak up, I do speak up. Um, I just know when to do it and how to do it. So when she said that our views may not be the same, um, you know, honestly, I thought it was a joke. I did, I thought it was a joke. I read the email a few times and I just kind of stared at it. And um, my husband was asleep at the time. So <clears throat> he's usually my go-to. But I sent it to my cousin who lives in Las Vegas and, and another cousin in Los Angeles. And um, he was like, you need to share that. I didn't want to. Um, I didn't want to share it. Not because I didn't want 
you know, people to know, I was afraid of the backlash. I didn't know if it was going to be negative, it was going to be positive. I, I just didn't want the attention. Um, but he's like, no, you need to. And I was in tears. You know, I was in tears. And he told me, you wipe your tears right now. Like, you, you know, he told you are a strong woman. You wipe those tears right now. Get over it. Like, don't do, you know, both of my cousins told me that. And he said, you post it or I'm going to post it. And so I sat and um, I thought about it and I said, you know what? Yeah, this does need to be posted. This, mm -hmm. this is what people need to see because, you know, a lot of people will just think that this happens to people who are doing something. I literally did nothing. Yeah. I did nothing at all. I've never met this woman. I, I don't know who she is. And she found out about me through one of her friends who had ordered from me recently and she referred her to me. Yeah. And so that's how she even knew about me. Um, so I've never met this lady a day in my life. I've never had a conversation with her outside of what she wanted to order. Yeah. And so when I received that email from her, it was hurtful because I've never experienced anything like that personally. So it was kind of like a shock. And like I said, I, I did, I thought it was a joke. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I went back to my previous email to see, wait, do the names match? Is this the same per? And it was. So I was like, oh no, this is real. Did you, you respond know? to her? Did you email her back? I did email her back. And, um, so the second, the email that she sent me that message from, um, when I went to respond back to her said that the email was not working. So, um, really? yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so um, I responded, and I'm almost 100% sure that she saw my response on social media. Mm -hmm. um, I'm sure she probably thought I was going to react in a different way, a real um, negative, ignorant way, which, honestly, I did want to react like that. But of course. I did. I did, because it was, mm -hmm. it was ridiculous. <clears throat> But me being the bigger person and who I am today, I, I'm able to control myself and respond back in a way that's going to hurt you even more, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, and that's what I did. And um, I mm -hmm. was so overwhelmed with the support. I was not expecting. Yeah. Let me tell you. <laughs> I was not expecting the response that I've received from everyone. I just posted it on my personal Facebook. Um, oh, it wasn't on your business account. It was, I, it was on my business account as well. Okay. Um, I posted it on my personal Facebook at first. Okay. And then my cousin asked me to make it public. Yeah. So once he said to make it public, I was like, okay. This is what we're doing. Okay. Mm -hmm. So then I went to my business page and I posted it on there as well. Mm -hmm. Back then, that's when everything started happening, you know, what's going on with George Floyd. And, and so it was kind of like, wow, you know, mm -hmm. um, and, but I'm glad that I shared it. Mm -hmm. Um, I got so much love and support from people the, the messages that I was receiving from people were so uplifting. Um, 
And it made me feel so good to know that, you know, there's people out here that don't feel like that. Yeah. Because you just never know nowadays. You just don't know. Mm -hmm. I have people from Australia and Canada, you know, reaching out to me. It went viral, which I was not expecting at all. <laughs> at all. I love that. I love that. Because it could yeah. have gone either way. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I was explaining to Matt, you know, when, mm -hmm. when I spoke with him, it could have went either way. Yeah. So that's why I was just like, okay, well, this is what we're doing. But I made sure that I, my tough skin was showing mm -hmm. when I posted it because I was going to be ready for however, however yeah. it would have came. But it actually, it was a blessing. Mm -hmm. um, and, and it's been great since I'm still meeting people to this day um, mm -hmm. because of that incident, you know? Yeah. I, um, I found out about you through Matt Ketman wrote a story for Santa Barbara Independent. Mm -hmm. And that's how I found out about you. I wouldn't have even met you or been able to do this if it weren't for the fact that you said something. And also I think it's that moment that you um, blend your personal life with your professional life is super scary. Yes. I, would you say that that was a good decision? I mean, I think I know the answer, but absolutely. Would you say that? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I thought about that for two seconds. And, um, and my thought process with that was if this hurts my business, then this business wasn't meant for me. And, right and that's how yeah. I had to look at it. Yeah. That's how I had to look at it because I'm not going to stay quiet yeah. about something like this. And if this is going to affect it in any way, then this isn't for me. Yeah. And that's how I had to go into, you know, that's how I had to go into this. Mm -hmm. I um, got so many phone calls. I still get phone calls from people wanting to interview. Mm -hmm. um, but I have to kind of pick and choose. You know, um, when Matt reached out to me, he was probably like the fifth reporter. Um, and I went with him one because he was from home. Yeah. Um, two, I'm familiar with his work. Yeah. And, um, and another, I just, I felt like, okay, maybe I should speak out to someone so they could kind of hear how I feel my side and not just see the email in my face and just kind of put it together, but not know how mm -hmm. it really made me feel, you know? Yeah. Um, and, so why, um, why did you pick me? Because we talked a little bit and you uh -huh. don't know me at all. What, I don't what made know you? you. <laughs> um, I can kind of tell by conversation yeah. what the motive. Um, I spoke with a reporter that I declined. I felt like her motive was more just to get a black story, mm. um, if that makes sense. It was not more about my experience, what I went through, but more for, oh, let me break this story really fast because this is what's going on and this happened. And if I can break, the, but not care, um, I kind of threw a little test out there for her to kind of see if I was wrong yeah. and I was correct. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, she didn't want to speak to me about my business. It was just more so well, did you do this or what happened with, you know, and, and it was still fresh. 
it yeah. was still fresh yeah. with you. Um, when I spoke to you, one, you mentioned Matt's name. <laughs> so that was the, that was the main reason yeah. why I did go with you because if he referred you and gave you my information, then clearly he felt comfortable with you yeah. because he knows how I feel. And I made it very clear in the beginning. So, um, the fact that he gave you my information, um, that made me feel a hundred percent comfortable. Yeah. And Matt has been a guest on here uh -huh. and big shout out to Matt Ketman, who is a really uh, professional guy and also yes, just is. a really, um, a wonderful connector. He has connected me with lots of different people and he's a good guy. Yes, he, he definitely is. I was honored that he yeah. reached out, um, to me and and wanted to interview me yeah. and he he was great he was great and you know i told him i think he even kind of got some backlash from from that article and um hmm. you know and it was something that we did discuss during the interview that you know some people were, will see it this way and some people will see it that way and and he kind of got a little backlash about his article from, you know, someone that was um, on Facebook, I think. And, um, you know, kind of it, it was it was wrong. And, and I made sure that I made a comment and told him the interview was great. I appreciate what you did and reminding him this is what we spoke about. You know, this is the type of thing, you know, um, but it happens, you know, it happens. Yeah. There's always one. There's always one. There's always yeah. one. There's well, let, always me, one. let me ask you, because I really don't intend for this to be just about what happened. And I'm sure you're tired of thinking about it and talking about it. And I do, I do really want to know. So with your cupcakes and, and you, you make more than cupcakes. I know. Um, what are the other things that you, that you make and sell? Um, I just mainly do. Cupcakes is my focus, but I do also like um, stuffed donuts or um, pudding cups and mm -hmm. strawberries and pretzels, you know, chocolate covered stuff like that. Yeah. But my main thing is cupcakes. Yeah. Um, when I first started out, surprisingly, it was just chocolate covered strawberries. Oh, really? <laughs> Yeah. When I first started doing this, um, one of my friends, a really close friend of mine, um, she wanted me to make strawberries for her birthday. And so that's kind of where it started. And that's all I focused on was just chocolate covered strawberries, pretzels and, mm -hmm. you know, cookies, stuff like that. And um, again, the baker meat, I just bake and create something. I made something for someone. Um, one of my friends, they posted it and then it just kind of went south from there yeah. um so yeah that's and yeah <laughs> yeah we call in my house we call things like cupcake it sounds like all the things that you make are like they're so sinfully <laughs> delicious <laughs> and we in our house we call that recreational sugar like it's <laughs> so fun to eat things like that you know like stuffed donuts and i don't know those are just they're like the treats and celebration of life. It's like pouring champagne. Right, right. And that's kind of like what my thing is like. I just kind of wanted to combine two desserts in one. Um, mm -hmm. Have both best of the both worlds type of thing outside of the box. Something that you don't see here on the Central Coast. Um, yeah. 
you know, you can't go to any of these bakeries and find what I create. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and that's, and that's something, you know, I've always, like I said, with my kids, I've always, we've just always done outside of the box type of things. Mm-hmm. And so, um, my husband, again, it was his idea that I created, um, I think the first cupcake that I did was a banana pudding oh. cupcake. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was his idea. And then from there, he's like, oh, you should try a peach cobbler. Oh, you should try this. And he's the one who has thrown out a lot of the ideas. Um, and believe it or not, <laughs> I have never ate a cupcake that I've made. Um, what? Never. <laughs> I don't eat sweets. <laughs> <laughs> I don't eat sweets. I have never tasted anything. Thing that I've ever created or made. Is it just um, for the fun and like the almost like the architecture of it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that's all it is for me. So I have a lot of friends who love it because they're my tasters. Yeah, <laughs> they're my family. So when I you know make these things, I'll send them out or I have my family try it, and they're like, yes, yes, okay, yes, you know. And that's kind of like how I created my menu. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. That's like a little bit of trivia about tasties. Yeah. 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 Well, let me, let me ask you what I always ask everybody at the end. If you knew that you were going to die tomorrow um, of natural causes, of course, uh, what would you eat as your last meal and who would you be with? I would eat a lot of seafood. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Santa Barbara girl. Lots of wine. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Can we include that? Of course. <laughs> and I would want to be surrounded around my family mm-hmm. and um, my best friends. Mm-hmm. And as long as I can be with my family. And when I say family, I speak of my immediate family, my my family and my household. And, um, you know, my grandfather, my my mom and you know and my best friend that's who I would want to be surrounded by yeah and just have a feast yeah yeah Shantae you're such a pleasure to talk to and I wish we had more time I know there's a lot more to say (laughs) (laughs) thank you so much I really appreciate you reaching out I really do of course thank you for listening to consumed I'm grateful for all of your ears every single day. The podcast is produced by me, Jamie Lewis, and edited by Chris Lambert. I hope you'll support the businesses and people featured this season and come back for another season of Consumed this winter. Until then, take care.